Warning, The Enon Project is a podcast hosted by a silly man with opinions ranging from uninformed to intentionally ridiculous. As such, if you hear something you don't like, please keep in mind that Ian is a self-aware idiot and hopes only to entertain. He usually has no idea what he is rambling about. Enjoy. Hey, what's going on? It's the Enon Project for Thursday, October 20th, 2016. What's going on, everybody? How you doing? We're here uh, in Memphis, as usual. But uh, this is a little bit different of an Enon Project because this is my first guest on the podcast. And if you listened last week, you uh, you, you got a sneak peek on who it is. It's my father, uh uh, the man who made it all possible, if you will, Harold Owen. Dad, how are you? Oh, fine. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, My age, it's good to be anywhere. Oh, jeez. We're starting. We're starting early, folks. So yeah, this is this is the guy where the one-liners and the uh, the wit the witticism comes from. Our side, uh, dad's side of the family. Uh, we're going to talk a little about some uh, some of Dad's family stories, and uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what what we're doing this weekend. We've we've got a fun weekend. Dad just flew in today. How was the flight, Dad? It was great, but my arms are sure tired. <laughs> we don't even have a script. Like he's just doing this. <laughs> um, it's um, so yeah. So Dad just got in uh, this morning. I picked him up. And then I went to work for eight hours, and uh, we just got done eating some fried chicken. Yep. It was yep. pretty good. Gus is good. Gus is fried chicken. Um, so, Dad, what are some stories that you can share that uh, you've heard? You've, that you're the most faithful listener of the podcast. Tell me some stories that you can share, because you know I like to share stories on here. What's something funny you got? Well, we've got a small family, and I only had one younger sister a year and a half younger than me and um i always enjoyed it when she got in trouble because it was always me getting in trouble well we went to a very fancy restaurant when we were still small kids in dover delaware and it was called the roadway inn and it was the place to be seen and when, when what year was that i would say that was probably Right after we came back from overseas, maybe 64, 65. Okay. Anyway. And this is Aunt Susie, for those of you who don't know Dad's. No, it was probably before that, as a matter of fact. Probably before we even went, which would be about 62. Okay. Anyway. He's talking was, about Aunt Susie. She was small enough to know better, but uh, she could only sit still so long in the fancy restaurant with the waiters and... She turns around and uh, proceeds to wedge her head in the back slats of the chair and starts crying and yelling. And, of course, all the first-class people are turning <laughs> around saying, what is the commotion? And I was having, I was having a blast because, uh, for once, uh, the focus was not on me. So, yes, I grew up laughing at my sister. Yeah, and how did she get unstuck? Um, I don't know. I I think her head swelled some, which didn't make it any easier. Uh, But uh, 
probably by that time I was out in the parking lot because uh, I was laughing so hard. <laughs> That's no problem. It's just an enjoyable moment in Owen history. We talked about going overseas. What was uh you spent a portion of your childhood in 1960s Turkey? What was that like? Uh, about three years in the early 60s, and I do remember before we even went, we had to have about 20 different immunizations, and they couldn't give it all at one time. We went uh, one week, a second week, and a third week, and I got them all, and that was just before we even left. Uh, but we went over. Dad was in the military in, in several bases, in Turkey because things were still hot with Russia and you know as a kid 9 to 11 or 12 years old I didn't know anything about what was going on but uh, I was just uh, free to you know roam around as much as I wanted to and it was pretty interesting I picked up a lot of the language enough to where when my grandpa and grandma came over I was a guide uh, to the inner city for them and was evidently rattling off enough Turkish to uh, make some pretty good bargains. <laughs> well, and what uh, I remember you always telling me there were goats everywhere. Yeah, yeah, there were no cows. As much. Uh, goats made the milk and the cheese and everything. They had pretty good food, but you had to watch because some things you just didn't want to eat. Still, a lot of disease and everything around. So, did you did y'all live on a military base, or was was that not the standard no, thing back then? We had an apartment uh, in a certain quarter of town. It was pretty nice. Um, I don't think a lot of people lived on. He didn't work at a particular base. It was a building downtown, and I didn't talk about it much. But it was really. Uh, Communications, intelligence, listening uh, over the radio waves for the Russian messages and stuff like that. Yeah. We had a next-door neighbor who I found out worked for the CIA, but uh, I didn't know it at the time. So a lot of interesting things I found out a lot later. Yeah. Well, and that wasn't the only place that he was listening to the Russians. He was he, he was in Alaska for a little while. That that's right. But this uh, was Grandpa Harold Owen. My my dad is Harold Curtis Owen. This was Grandpa Harold Murdy Owen. Yeah, yeah. He was in Alaska, manning a radar site, in charge of a radar site, looking for the bombers to come over the pole, but they never did. Where were you during that? Where did y'all live? Well, I was, I believe, in Rochester. Uh, because it was about four or five months before my dad came back and was able to see me. Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah, you were born in Rochester, New York. Yeah. I lived, yeah. you know, my mom lived with her mom during the time he was gone. Oh, okay. I don't think I knew that. I don't think I did either. Yeah. <laughs> what's the, uh, <laughs> so what's a uh, an interesting story out of uh, Owen Owen family lore from uh, when you were when you were young and uh, like that in, involved a lot of the the family members the uh, the other Harold Owens. Well, every once in a while, evidently the routine was for the uh, Owen men to get their similarly minded friends and go up to the shared cabin in uh, Pennsylvania for a week or two and uh, just. You know, be able to burp and fart and play at uh, hunting and um, 
they didn't actually succeed in bagging anything much occasionally a deer or something but you were a pretty good shot though weren't you? i was a good shot i was such a good shot that my dad got mad at me one time for it <laughs> and my grandpa gordon uh was the only time i ever heard him bless my dad out for treating me the way he did but that was just he was always frustrated when i did better <laughs> <laughs> so so you're up at the cabin, and what's uh... up at the cabin? And I actually have one of the oldest cassette tapes. Is a recording that Grandpa just uh, started the recorder going, and they this were is your grandpa, my so this grandfather. Is not grandpa. Yes, it was 1969. This isn't Harold Murdy. This is his dad, Harold. Yeah, well, Arthur. Harold no. Arthur. Harold Arthur. Yeah, and uh, we were just sitting down to eat, and uh, one of these guys had been a real ass the entire trip <laughs> and they decided to get back at him his name was Cass Powell and uh, so they did bag a deer a couple days before and they decided to make a deer stew and the problem was they uh, cut the butthole out of the deer put it in the stew and made sure Cass had the bowl with the butthole in it <laughs> And you can hear a quieting down at the table, and then he goes, well, I don't know what the hell that was, but they, so they all busted out laughing and says, it tastes familiar, Cass? <laughs> and they all laughed about as loud as I'd ever heard them. It's, it's funny, I still have that tape. It's about 47 years old now. Oh, wow. Yeah. We're going to have to get that digitized. I do have that. Well, you can digitize we'll get it that digitized for me. and we'll put it on yep. put it on the podcast page or something at some point. <laughs> um, all right, so yeah, so we've done done a lot of childhood, but you also you, you weren't just in Turkey and uh, and in Rochester. You spent time in Dover, Delaware. You kind of mentioned that earlier with the uh, restaurant with yes, Aunt Susie. A, another famous thing that I decided to do, I guess out of boredom was I saw some construction in a vacant lot and it had a great big dirt hill. And I had one of those little spider bikes with the little wheels and the gear change right between your legs. It was a three-speed spider. Okay. I decided, gear change between your legs on like Yeah, you know, like bike? a gear shift, you know, yeah. that you could go ka-chunk, ka-chunk, you know. And uh, so... I get going real fast, and I decided I could jump that and get some air. You know, and I, of course, I hadn't planned so far as to actually what I was going to do upon landing. It was a big dirt mound? It was a big dirt mound, and I got going as fast as I possibly could. Jumped it, and I was, like, getting some major air. And then I landed, and my crotch hit the gear lever and actually broke it off. The gear lever, not your crotch. Well, the, my crotch too, almost. So I, so I landed on my side and I just couldn't breathe. And I was all by myself. I mean, nobody could see me, thank God. And I was just going... Yeah. For about five minutes. And finally, I was able to breathe again. But I was worried, even at that age, whether I was going to have any kids. But, uh, yeah... Yeah, I like to blame any of my failings the, the rest or failings of Jillian on that, <laughs> on that incident. Yep. I was, I was pretty dumb, but everybody does dumb things like that. Oh, yeah, that. we've all been there. Yeah. We've all racked ourselves on something. Uh, so after, uh, after this rough-and-tumble childhood, you 
go off to Baptist College. That's in right. Charleston, yeah. South Carolina. North Charleston, that's right. Which is now Charleston Southern University. And uh, that's where you met Mom. I met Bonnie. Uh, she was a year ahead of me, and we had a psychology class together. And I said, I have got to introduce myself to that long, blonde-haired girl. She was walking back to her dorm with this great big football player roommate. Uh, um, female football player? Well, I'm she, looked like, she looked like a football player, so the choice was <laughs> obvious for me. Um, I went for Bonnie. The other one was bigger than I was. And uh, I walked in between the both of them, and I just, you know, those were the days when you could just walk up and talk to a girl and say, Hi, my name's Harold. What's yours? You know, and that was as good as it got, and evidently it worked because she said she was hoping that I would call her later, and I sure did. That was 1972, and we got married about four years later. There you go. Yep. Well, that worked out all right. Yeah, to all the young guys out there, my age and younger, uh, it, you used to be able to approach women on the street without fear of getting tased or maced. So. Yeah. It sounds like a fantastic time, but, um, so yeah, so, all right, well, so you meet mom, you guys are dating and you, then you get married. What happens next? Well, I, what happened before that? Now you went, you went to basic training for the I Air Force before you got I went in the Air Force married. and actually was in there six months, uh, before we got married. I had a couple days off, a change of bases, so I drove and left the car up at my new base and got a plane flight back to South Carolina. We got married and had a quick honeymoon and then reported to St. Louis, Missouri, Scott Airborne, uh, Air Base. Right. Yeah. Now, I had just visited the house you guys stayed in the other day. Yeah, it was uh, pretty a few nice. Ago in it, St. Louis, or in Belleville, Illinois. It was the upper floor of a very old established neighborhood in the Amans. We're an old German couple who were very nice to us. I will never forget them. All right. So while you were, was that where you were in basic? Where were you uh, in basic No, training? I did basic before I ever got married, and I did my first. We had two lab schools, so I got married between my first and second lab school. Okay. Yeah. Well, what about the stories of, uh, like, when you and Mom were, uh, separated and she yeah. you would call oh, her yeah. basic yeah well i don't know what the problem was with the other guys but i had a flight of about 30 or 40 other guys i was in charge of them as far as making them pass their tests yeah well, you, you weren't a staff sergeant at this point yet. no i was i didn't have any stripes at all you know i was just wearing the uniform but i was one of only two college graduates in the entire flight so uh, they said owen you're the educational monitor <laughs> I said, yes, sir, no problem. And I thought that was bad, me having a bachelor's and enlisting, but I found the other the other college graduate, he had a master's degree in microbiology, of all things, and I said, well, why did you enlist? And you had a bachelor's in biology, right? That's right. Yeah. And so we were the two people assigned to make sure everybody passed. And every once in a while, you'd get a chance to make a phone call. Uh, and that was during the payphone era where you had to keep feeding the meter with quarters yeah but um, the other guys were so damn lonely that uh, 
I guess they didn't have girlfriends or didn't have quarters, you know, to, <laughs> for the payphone. And so anyway, they they give me a quarter or something. And hey, can I can I talk to your fiance? You know, I mean, I haven't even talked to a girl in ages. And I, well, this is a little strange even for back in 1976. But okay, go ahead. Sure, no problem. And then I had to spend the next half hour trying to wrestle the damn phone back from it. But, uh, you know, as a public service, you know. You yeah, just, I like that mom participated. Yeah, she she's always been a good sport. You know, I think she just felt so sorry for us, you know, that uh, she just enlivened our lives a little bit. Well, I can, I can say with some degree of experience and certainty <laughs> that mom is, enjoys talking on the phone so that that is true even then i'm sure that she i could. think she thought that i had died somewhere at lackland air force base and uh by that time i was in wichita falls and uh, i only saw her about two days of the last six months you know before we were married when i got july 4th uh, holiday off i flew and flew back real quick about two days in the wow. last six months and I saw her so so yeah we were we were committed yeah and then or it should have been you spent uh you should committed <laughs> in the mental hospital <laughs> sense there. I got you. all right so uh so what are some of the places that you lived after you guys got married I know about Enid Oklahoma yeah uh Vance Air Force Base was in the middle of nowhere out in north central oklahoma and actually in retrospect i liked it a lot uh there was a small clinic it was not a hospital because they didn't have inpatients didn't have beds but we treated the uh flyers because it was a pilot training base and of course they had at least a wife and about 47 children each and so I got real good at uh, all different age. Uh, I was in laboratory uh, for a while. I was by myself uh, working in the laboratory because I had a sergeant above me who retired, and then I had a kid under me who got busted for marijuana. And back in the 70s, that was a big deal, and he got a dishonorable discharge. Oh wow! And then um, Airman Owen was suddenly in charge of the lab by himself. So I went to Colonel Birchfield, and I just marched into his office, and I said, Sir, i got to see you something really important. When I'm not actually here, I have a beeper, and I'm taking a call, and I sometimes have to come in. I'm getting a little bit worn out. you got to get somebody to help me. And so somebody got gigged from... Uh, a base in Louisiana to come up temporary duty and help me, and the rest is history. You said he wasn't too happy about No, he wasn't happy uh, at all. But, you know, I didn't care at that point. <laughs> I needed help. <laughs> so that was uh, my permanent station, and that was from 77 to 80. And after experience like that, I figured four years was enough. Yeah, I did. Uh, you, had, you guys dodged some, <clears throat> some tornadoes out there, too. Yeah, right? but the good thing was you could see them coming from about a couple hours away, so you could... That was your early warning system in the, yeah. in the 80s was, oh, there it comes. And uh, <laughs> I, I did the Air Force Reserves back in Charleston, which was my dad was a reserve uh, commander at Charleston Air Base, South Carolina. 
did 18 months reserves and then uh, uh, got out for good and started working clinical lab in uh, civilian hospitals. Okay. How'd you end up in, uh, in Augusta where I was born? Actually, um, I had tried a couple different jobs which were not medical and I wasn't very successful at it. So I was actually unemployed for six months and I sent out a bunch of resumes. And in October of 82, um, a big medical complex in Augusta, Georgia said that me to come for an interview and evidently they liked me enough to give me a job which i was very grateful for and i wound up staying there 30 years working nights working mostly nights yeah 26 of my 30 years was nights and you always told me not to work nights and then well it's tough it it just gradually (laughs) people say oh it's great you know well they're they're lying because it disrupts your whole life but uh like my sleep has never been the same since. But. Oh, I can I can attest to that. I only worked. I only did it for sixteen months, and it's. I, I can still and, like feel it. And it sucked, didn't it? So, yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, yeah, so, you were right about that. So there you go. Um, so that was eighty two. You came to Augusta. That's right. And then in eighty seven, I came along. That's right. And uh, your sister came along in ninety one. Yep. And by that time, uh, your mom was like 37, I was 35 or 36, and we decided that was enough. And wisely, you know, we, we lucked out to have one of each. Yeah. So. And then we later had a dog, so. <laughs> uh, Full family. What's a, what's, what's a fun story that you think of when you think of me and me and Jillian, or just me even before Jillian, or whichever, uh, when we were young, something that comes to mind. Well, because I did work nights, I was evidently available for a lot of field trips for both you and your sister. Right. And it was actually (laughs) fun because I got to see the crazy other mothers, you know, and their children, and uh, uh, it reaffirmed the fact that we were relatively normal. Yeah. Yeah. But we got to go to a lot of fun places like museums, and we went up to the Thurman Dam and got to see it from the inside. I remember know? that. Yeah, that was yeah, cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Some science trips. Yeah, uh, we did a nature, lot of that. Nature trails and stuff, which I didn't mind. I was semi-comatose, you know. And, <laughs> and one time they had a field day at Lakeside. And this one lady who thought she knew me kept calling me Roy, and I kept saying, yeah, so, uh, <laughs> you know, Roy, would you come over here? And everybody was going, who the hell is Roy? <laughs> His name's Harold. Well, I, I didn't care. I was available. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Just there to help. General practitioner Harold. Uh, so we're, we've been talking about the the good old days and the and how you got up to Augusta and uh, and then Augusta being young she uh, yeah what's uh, what's a Jillian memory that you have I mean there's a there's a ton of things I could oh well she went in for combination eye surgery and belly button surgery at the same time <laughs> one morning and we took her in and they kept giving her pills and liquid to try and get her sleepy and the problem was she was one of these kids that just did not respond and they were getting worried that they were giving her too much 
Finally, she just quieted down for about 10 seconds and she was asleep. And we said, here, come take her. You know, and they practically <laughs> grab her and put her on the gurney and take her into the OR. Um, but she would bounce off the walls. You know, she didn't respond the way that they thought she should. Well, and uh, when I think of stories from my childhood and things like that, I always think of when I first drove a car when I was four years old. Oh, and, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I just, I, to this day, I remember... Uh, so Jillian was in for her heart surgery when she was, what, two years I old? I don't know, but you guys had a knack for always doing something on the day that you shouldn't yeah. be Yeah, well, Jillian, Jillian had... My little sister had a had an issue when she was born. She had a hole in her heart that they had to repair, obviously. You don't want to have a hole in your heart. Um, and on the day that it happened, right? Like, it was the actual surgery day. That, That's correct. That, yeah, and... Uh, and I was working. You were working. Mom was at the hospital, and your parents, uh, Harold, Murdy, and Joy, were taking care of me back at the house. And, I, and we were going to the hospital... <clears throat> To join everybody, I yeah. guess I don't know if I had well, been in school had, or what or what was. Well, taken. they had parked their Volvo in the driveway, which slants down and across the street. Um, behind a wooden fence was a guy's pool. Yeah, the backyard. This guy's backyard. And was this was before the, the days when you had to step on the brake before you could shift it. Right. And well, so they left me in the passenger seat. Yeah, well, you decided to drive, and you so you shifted over behind the wheel, and you put it in neutral, and it starts going backwards. Yeah, I remember. And my mom is evidently following you as fast as she can, yeah. screaming, you know, at the top of her so lungs. So they left me in the front, in, from my perspective, yeah. they left me in the front seat. I was four or whatever, four or five. And uh, um, I remember I was playing with, in the Volvo, there was this fuzz fur thing in the shifting mechanism. Like there, it was like, it, okay, you remember well, those cars with yeah, the fur? Yeah, but I hadn't heard about the fuzz part. So there was that fuzzy stuff in where the, the gear so shifter you were was. Fix so it. I was playing with it and like running my finger through it. And you know, it was, it was amusing how it like was so <laughs> stiff that it just flicked back where it was supposed to be. So I'm, I was messing with it and I don't remember actually like grabbing the gear shift at all. I guess I just hit it, or maybe I did grab it. I don't know. I was four or five. I don't remember what I did, but what the I heck? you just wanted to take it for a spin. Yeah, I remember looking up, yeah. and Grandpa was in the uh, in the garage, locking the door from the garage, and you started Grandma, disappearing across. Grandma Joy is at the front door, locking that. They both yeah. just left me to go lock the doors, and uh, that was mistake number one. I remember looking. I could see them until the car hit the actual like really sharp descent of the hill and I couldn't see them anymore because I was small so all I could see was sky and I and I just thought oh this is going to be bad yeah. and then I hit the curb on the so other side of the street across the street yeah. go across the street thankfully nobody was going down the street I hit the curb I remember bouncing and hitting there the curb there was a sizable bush that you decided to demolish yeah. and this poor oriental guy comes out of the house and he's making all sorts of gesticulations you know which I didn't quite understand, but I think I took some years off his life. Uh, <laughs> and anyway, but, you hit the fence, but fortunately that the stopped, fence stopped you. stopped me from going into the Or pool. you would have been like one of those famous car and pool shots. Yeah, and then uh, I remember I, when 
I don't I don't remember anything until well, the next I, thing I remember is you were I you think were coming what happened me, the Georgia I, State Patrol found my number and called me right and, and I went said, we I was hiding to come in the bathroom home, sir yeah I was hiding in the bathroom in the hall bathroom and I hid behind the toilet and I remember Dad came in and I thought he was going to yeah. be I thought you were going to be so pissed off yeah you were you were in the big closet by that oh, was time I? and the okay. guy said sir don't be too hard on him I think he's been through enough already yeah. So, and you weren't. I still remembered like the relief of. I mean, I knew I was in trouble. I was. I had done something stupid. We didn't do much to you. No, no. But, I mean, it wasn't your car, so yeah, to hell with it. Hell with it. Yeah, it was just a Volvo. <laughs> it was the safest car in the world. That's right. It was, and I survived without a seat. I don't even know if I had a seatbelt. I must have. I must have had the seatbelt on before they got out to I lock. I really doors. could have ragged on my mom and dad about that for a while, but. But yeah, so we're getting towards the end of the podcast. So you're here now in Memphis, and what we're going to do is, uh, you know, obviously we skipped a lot of good, good, fun stuff that we'll save for the next time. We'll talk about uh, other yeah, stuff. Yeah, but we're going to go see somebody I have never seen before. And I haven't seen in person. We're going to go see Bill Burr, the stand-up comedian, tomorrow at the Ryman Theater in Nashville. And I think that's going to be taped for Netflix or something, maybe? Yep, he's taping. It's his special for the year. And he's uh, and it's, and it's we happen to be going to the show that he is recording, and he's going to turn it into his special. He said he hasn't decided what it's going to be called this year. Um, there, he, he, on his last podcast, made a couple <laughs> suggestions that I can't repeat here. But, uh, yeah. So yeah, well, we're that, that, that's pretty cool. He's got a kind of nihilist kind of humor that... Uh, Which very much I identify is, with. Yeah, yeah, he sure does. Uh, and he's getting me addicted to him also. Yeah, Dad Dad does this thing where he has to pretend like something's like really stupid that you like. And then he watches it and he starts laughing. Yeah. And it's a, it's a good it's a good feeling. So. I guess we better wrap it up. Yeah, we're going to wrap it up because even though we told Mom we were doing the podcast, she's still texting me and making my phone buzz over here. So Twice. Yeah, so we're going to wrap this one up. This has uh, been the Enon Project. I didn't even check the emails, but it, look, if you uh, if you got a question or some anything, I don't care. I'll, I'll talk about anything clearly. Thanks for having me on, son. No problem. Just send uh, send any emails to the Enon Project at gmail.com. T H E E N O N P R O J E C T at gmail.com. I sure will. Yeah. Dad already does. And uh, he, he said to talk about family. And so that's what we're doing now with him. So, uh, anything else, Dad? You want to say, say no, anything to the loyal viewers? Bye bye. Love you. Loyal listeners, rather. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. Talk to you next week. Uh, we'll have some more guests, I think, next week. I'm not sure who, but we might have some, uh, some more guests. Bye, everybody. Bye.